So welcome to the Design Talk podcast. Today we're talking about design choices, or at least we think of them as choices. We're joined by Katie Farrell, Chief Operating Officer, and Kaylin Melvin, Head of Software Development from Squid Loyalty, an Irish digital startup founded in 2019. First, would you like to tell us a little about yourselves by way of introduction, Katie? Hi, Alan. So, yeah, my name is Katie Farrell. I'm one of the co-founders of Squid, um, which is a digital loyalty platform. Um, I'm also the current COO, so I manage like mostly the operations, kind of day-to-day running of the business. Uh, But like today, I've kind of acted as the designer, I suppose, of the product because we don't actually have a, you know, designer in-house yet. uh, my background is actually in engineering. I studied mechanical engineering and energy engineering in college, so nothing to do with apps and design really at all, but um, this is yeah, where I am now. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's been a really interesting journey since we you know started the business in early 2019. Um, we started I started with um, my best friend from college, Matthew. Um, we had the idea early on in you know when we were doing our masters together and we were working part-time in 2019 when we decided to explore this idea to start researching it with potential customers and now we have um, over 350 businesses using the platform and around 30,000 app users um, mostly in Ireland but we've also recently like launched into the UK too and want to be expanding our presence there and and uh, further afield as well. Thank you, Katie. Kaylin. Hi, so uh, I'm Kaylin. I'm the uh, head of software development here at Squid. So I'm in charge of all the coding. So when it comes to adding features or just maintaining our system, so across all of our different platforms. Um, so in college, I, my background is in computer science. So I studied computer science in university. And um, I remember like when most of my colleagues in my course, they would all have been trying to line up jobs with like Microsoft or like Facebook. I always had it in me that I, it was always my, I wanted to be part of a startup company. So I remember I was talking to my close friend of the course, Cade, and he had, we were both talking about like startup ideas. And then he had actually done an internship in Microsoft with Katie. And she had informed him of this startup that she was just beginning and uh, that she needed some developers. So Kate obviously said to me, two of us started working on it. And uh, yeah, I've been here ever since. Yeah, it's been a great, it's a great journey. It's, it's exactly what I was looking for as well. So I think we're a perfect match. I think that's really interesting that both of you, in fact, I expect all of the Squid team, um, you, you've kind of grown organically uh, through friendships and social connections and and put put a company together that way yeah definitely um and it, it's it's growing a lot at the moment the team because we've just recently gotten a, our seed round of funding in uh we got matched funding with enterprise ireland so we've really grown our sales team in particular in the last um two months so we've grown from really being a team of four for so long to now being a team of like 10 plus um so it's yeah it's been a big change for us all even just Every, everything we do in the business has has really changed, I think, as a result of like taking on the new team members. The dynamic is completely different. 
Can I ask both of you to come back with a, an idea of what you think design is? Because I know, Katie, you're talking about design at one level, and Kaylin, you've also got design concerns at another level in terms of the app and the business. Yeah, sure. So I think I, I suppose design is about how people like interact with, you know, different systems and interfaces and kind of everything in life. So there's obviously the visual aspect of how things look and how things make you feel when you when you see them. And then there's, you know, the usability side and like what the experience um, is like to somebody using whatever it is um yeah it's so broad I suppose with the design um for us I suppose it's we're looking at more user experience design um side of things as well as visual design um but yeah I know design is so much more broad than that um yeah and then just to follow on that uh there I would back everything Katie's saying there and then to my side of the company there would be another aspect of design as regards to everything that the people don't see and uh, like the, how our data and requests. So that's a whole different kind of design that I would probably see or that uh, we differ to what Katie's doing. So they all come to the same end goal of increasing like usability and a nice flow for making it easier for our uh, users to use the software. We might come back to that. Um, I've got some questions around uh user experience, user interface, and the architecture. So we'll come back to those points. But Katie, um, just to give us an idea about the spark or idea behind Squid, it happened, I, I heard, around the time you took part in a study abroad program at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, what were your inspiration points and earliest ideas for Squid then, and how have they changed? Yeah, so, yeah, it really kind of evolved as an idea, as something that just we had thought about one day. So yeah, I was on exchange um, during my degree in UCD um, with Matthew, who's my co-founder now. And it was just something that we had kind of noticed. And I think a few people had said to us, you know, just in passing conversations when you'd be talking to people about different ideas and things like that. And, you know, people would say like, there isn't, doesn't really seem to be an app where, you know, you can have your loyalty cards in one place. And you know, th- then it was something that we kind of explored a bit further. Um, we looked at other apps that did exist kind of as platforms like Deliveroo and Just Eat that were very popular. Um, we saw that a lot of businesses were going more towards those platforms rather than having their own apps um, developed. And, you know, we researched what competitors were kind of out in the market at the time. But it was really only after we had like graduated our master's program um, that we actually said, you know, let's properly research this with like a potential target market. And it was Matthew really who was like, let's start this because we'd always kind of discussed and particularly when we were on that exchange together, you know, the concept that we could start a business like straight out of college rather than doing the kind of more traditional route of going into a grad program. Um, But yeah, it was it was in like January 2019 that we decided to actually research it like with customers to see what they were currently doing um, for customer loyalty and like what their pain points were. And yeah, Matthew was basically the one to be like, let's let's just go for it. Let's get a prototype made. And that that was very quick. The kind of going from like, you know, let's let's give this a go in terms of the inspiration kind of points for the app itself. We, we did focus a good bit in the beginning in terms of like how we wanted the interaction of the person with collecting the loyalty stamp to look like. So we lo- looked at different technology options for that. 
from like QR codes, Bluetooth, and then NFC, which we use ourselves. And that that was sort of where we took the starting point. But we also wanted the aesthetic of the app to be good too. Like we wanted it to seem like a modern user-friendly app. Whereas when we looked at kind of what was out there in the market at the time for loyalty apps and rewards apps, a lot of them were either overly focused on the technology. So it was a software solution that would work on like their point of sale, like at the counter and was very behind the scenes or else, you know, it was kind of outdated. They were a little, they, they, some of them kind of came across a little bit tacky, I suppose, you know, maybe untrustworthy. Sometimes there is a bit of that negative connotation with like rewards. So you think of, you know, kind of coupon schemes and things that have like hidden terms and conditions. And what we were looking more, you know, more of our inspiration would be something probably like an app like Deliveroo or Airbnb. That's a platform that people trust and it like helps them in their day to day life, etc. I have this idea that um, you, you left Ireland and you're in California and kind of expecting to be wowed and amazed. And then you see this space, which isn't that different. Yeah, I think so, because it's Silicon Valley where, you know, obviously most of the main tech companies are. So you probably think going over there that there's going to be so much more technology kind of in in the town itself. And and yeah, there wasn't really um, there, there were no kind of apps that seemed to be used by like the local cafes and businesses, which was yes, it, it was a bit strange to us. Um, but I suppose in a way being there as well kind of opened our eyes up to like, you know, that there are more possibilities for when you like leave college. I think sometimes when you're in college, if, you, if you're going to college and still living at home and and all your friends are going into whatever courses in college and then doing the same graduate programs, et cetera, afterwards, sometimes being in a, in a new place where um, a lot of the people there obviously wanted to go work in Silicon Valley afterwards or they wanted to be involved in startups. It was just that different perspective was really good as well. Along the way, you, you've had to change and evolve as you go. Yeah, of course, there's been definitely a lot of uh, steps on the way. What our initial prototype that we made for the uh, first month or so is you wouldn't even recognize it now based on the ground we've made and different changes we've had. So yeah, it's been definitely quite an agile uh, environment. Yeah, especially in the start, you know, we'd it, it was so kind of quick, you know, we sort of think of an idea and we'd be implementing it, you know, within the week. We, we've had to now get a li- have a little bit more of a process and when we want to introduce new things. But at the beginning, it was very, very lean. When we were going around the businesses to try and get them onto a waiting list, I was like bringing around two phones. So I had an Android phone with the prototype that Kaylin had built and it was like purely functional. So we had like, you know, small little NFC tags, just kind of little stickers. And I was demonstrating how like functionality would work. And then I had like a prototype on my own phone, like a design prototype that didn't like work, but was more like, yeah, this is what it will look like. Um, so that that's what we were doing in the beginning. And then it was the from the prototype um, that we just, we just kept developing that and getting that to a point where we could launch it with customers so we took the approach more that let's get it to a point where we can release it with a really small number of businesses we'll do it quietly we're not going to have a big launch and we'll just see what sort of feedback we get and we'll keep working on it from there we didn't really want to do it where you put a lot of money into development to get the product to kind of a shiny sort of place you have a big like list of customers you're launching with you're doing a big 
promo launch day marketing kind of campaign yeah we didn't we didn't do it that way because we were very low budget at the start and we wanted to we thought actually having a product and like getting businesses to sign up and say they're going to start paying for it was probably the best way to get feedback early on so in a sense evolving the product and growing it uh, organically is in small steps to a small audience i'm i'm fascinated by this idea that you were demonstrating a a working wireframe and showing a kind of polished visualization it generally works the other way around yeah it was it was a bit messy showing them the two but i think it it did really help because you were able to show them something that looked like an app that you know they'd want to be on but then you were also showing them that, that like the functionality worked that we weren't just saying oh yeah it will be great you'll be able to scan something small and to collect loyalty stamp um, and maybe we were kind of more unique to that because there was kind of a core like functionality you know that we needed to demonstrate because a lot of people hadn't seen nfc tags in action they're getting a bit more popular now with more use cases but i'd say most people's familiarity with it and they wouldn't have even known what it was was like a leap card so you know the transport cards where you're tapping onto the bus and stuff um i think that was probably most people's knowledge of nfc tags and wouldn't have known actually even that those were nfc tags so if we didn't have that functional prototype made I think it would have been really hard to get across what we were doing. I've got a um, question from the audience, I think. Ken, you... I was going to say just uh, the apps, like similar apps like Embargo and Dusk, would you be considering like getting into like the bar industry when when it's back open? Yeah, potentially. Um, there are kind of new regulations to do with alcohol and loyalty. That whole industry has slowed down over the past year for obvious reasons. And whereas the cafe industry has really blown up. So if you rewind kind of 12 months ago to where we were at then, we were actually thinking that we would kind of diversify the type of businesses on the platform a lot faster. But then we ended up not doing it because of the way the market kind of changed. You know, there's a lot of the kind of coffee carts, converted horse boxes, vans, popping up these days and we know a lot of those mightn't be permanent fixtures but to us it's still a great way to grow because yeah. you're developing like the, you're growing the user base so even if some of those kind of more pop-up type businesses are only here for a year you've got these customers then who are used to your app they can then start using it in like their next kind of local business it's just one of those areas that hasn't really slowed down like most other types of retail and obviously restaurants and bars. That whole industry has been like so affected by COVID that selling into them right now, like we have approached some, but they just say, well, well I'm not going to get involved now at this stage when I'm not like operating. But definitely looking into other types of business is something that we are doing and, and we do want to do. Further down the line, if we want to expand into other types of retail, we'll have to consider ways of doing points-based loyalty schemes. So, you know, if, if it's a boutique clothes shop, for example, that could be selling one item for 10 euro, one for 200 euro, the stamp loyalty isn't going to work for them. Is there a tension between adding more functionality but keeping the foundation solid, the product scalable, or is it something you can easily accommodate? Yeah, no, it's definitely a big thing that I need to think about. Now, obviously at the start, we were kind of just adding features left, right and center. With that became kind of conflict at times. So now as we've kind of grown, we've kind of set out a larger roadmap of features and allows me to kind of set out a plan as to how they will link 
with what we currently have. Because yeah, that's definitely nearly as important as specking out the feature itself is seeing how we will integrate with everything that we do have at the moment. So yeah, no, it's definitely something that we've started putting a lot more focus in. It must be difficult to make the best use of a small screen. Everything's on the smartphone, really, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. It's uh, especially with certain like older devices. These days, the phones are a little bit bigger, but obviously the older devices, the screens are very small and we have to set up the app so it, it obviously fits on everything. So I mean, certain of our designs have helped with that. I mean, we use a lot of like scrolling views. So they help for fitting for loads of different sizes because maybe on certain phone sizes, it will just, the screen will just be still. But if you did have a smaller device, there is room for you just to scroll. So it allows the, it makes it much more dynamic for fitting on different screen sizes. Yeah, that's something we didn't even necessarily know too much about at the start um the design was focused a lot more around pop-up screens at the beginning and now we've kind of evolved it a bit more and we will be we, we've got some more designs in the works as well but um now each business kind of has their own profile in the app and the profile is scrollable to allow for yeah different kind of screen sizes and it's less difficult than when Caitlin is testing all the different kind of screen sizes for different phones. It makes it a little bit simpler. And we're going to be looking at that. Our wallet functionality still works with like pop-ups. So each kind of business has their own tile. And when you click on the tile, it kind of pops out into a larger view where you see the loyalty card. We're going to be changing the design of that because that's actually too rigid for us and what in what we want to do and the kind of features we want to add. So that's going to be changing to more page view, which will have like the ability to scroll. So it can kind of fit more information per business. You were relatively early with NFC and many users weren't even aware there was an NFC chip in the phone. So you kind of had to educate the user that the NFC was chip was located here or there on the, on the, in, in the body of the screen. How did you educate your users to use the app? Sure. Well, yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, earliest decisions we had to make in design was how we were going to collect the stamps. So obviously, Katie mentioned earlier, we had researched a few options. We decided to go with NFC because it seemed like it was the more kind of up and coming technology. It was definitely a lot more secure than other options like QR, like code scanning. So um, yeah, it was a it was a difficult decision at the beginning because at the time there was the uh, iPhone, only the newer versions of the iPhone even supported NFC technology. So we had to kind of do with a certain percentage of our customer base just not being able to to download at beginning. But as time's gone on now, almost everyone has migrated off those older iPhone models. So it, it's come to be a good decision there in the end. But yeah, it was definitely at the beginning, it was, it was a tough one. And then, yeah, as regarding teaching the user, yeah, it's still something we're, we're having to figure our bits out about. But we, we are screen immediately opens on like a display that gives a text description of how to scan. And also we have a, like a moving animation. So it's easy for the user to understand what it is that they have to do. The other part we kind of, you know, took into consideration was when a customer, an app user is going to collect a stamp, they are dealing with a person as well. Um, They aren't kind of left to figure it out on their own. As long as the business knows how to use it, they can inform the customer there. And we've actually found that having the the tag and um, the little NFC kind of tag and pod like front and center of the counter, we didn't really like 
actually think of this in the beginning. It wasn't like intentional, but it turned out to be a positive because a lot of other solutions that would have existed on the market were like apps just for like on your point of sale kind of device. So if a cafe kind of has, you know, the tablet type device there, there's there, there might be loyalty options for them to install and how a lot of them would work um would be with QR codes so the more secure ones would have like the QR code changing kind of on that device or you know the user could have the QR code on their phone and then you'd need to have like the specific scanning kind of functionality but we we did want to stay away from the kind of QR systems because we would really limit the amount of businesses that could get involved and that was kind of our design decision around having the kind of standalone portable tag but actually having it kind of out on display that people can see as we grew became a benefit then because then people were able to recognize the tag and the brand when they went into different cafes. Whereas if we had done it all completely as a point of sale kind of app system, no one would ever see it because it would have been like installed on the on the till and you would have had to like rely on people kind of putting up posters you know in their cafe to kind of explain it but there still wouldn't have been any sort of physical you know representation of like this business uses squid now I think at least it's kind of a conversation starter as well that like customers can say oh what's that about and they're they're more open I suppose to like conversing with the person working in that cafe or business um, about how to use it versus it being kind of yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. And another thing as well, with the, the uh, collecting stamps, obviously what we were trying to replace was just your normal stamp cards. And that's a very simple action. So we needed to make sure that this was designed in a way that was not complicated uh, and would almost replicate the uh, human action as best as possible. So, yeah, so obviously it's just one click hit and you get your stamps. So it was definitely important that we didn't make it too complicated because then it would just slow down the process of people at the till. And it, it needs to work as simple and as quick as an actual stamp card would. I think that's fascinating. The idea of your, in a way, visible technological infrastructure driving a kind of more personal human interaction at the counter it just seems like a natural harmony. Can you talk about the redeeming process? Because I think that's something also that is quite different. It's a, it's it's not the way you'd normally expect a discount to be taken off a transaction. It's it's very much show and and get as opposed to sort of shop with. Yeah. So again, it's very similar to how you would redeem your freebie, your reward if you had a paper loyalty card so if you had a paper loyalty card and you had all the stamps filled out how that would work is you would you know you'd go up to the counter and say I have a free coffee here and that's kind of how their interaction would go and it's similar to with squid you would say I've got a free coffee to redeem when you tap the tag it's the same action so you tap the squid tag just like as you would to collect a stamp and it basically tells like it informs you that you have a free coffee there to redeem or whatever the reward is and you can choose to redeem now or save the, that voucher for later and if you redeem now it basically just like is is an animation with like little fireworks it's a timestamp. it's an animation so they can't be like screenshotted um so that you know the person working there knows that like it's definitely live that you've just redeemed that but you show it yeah you you show it 
you know, to whoever is serving you and then they give you your coffee, just like you would show a Phil's loyalty card rather than what yeah most systems would probably use. You know, the person working there would have to kind of input maybe a code into the till or if it was kind of deeply linked to the till where you were scanning some sort of barcode for a voucher it would, you know, deduct from the system. The the human kind of element of it is interesting. And I think it, it makes it different. And I think it's very suitable for the smaller independent businesses where their whole kind of business model and why people like to be there is, is and, and like support those businesses rather than the big chains is because it feels more personal. And, you know, their branding is unique. And, and I think it, it, it does link in with that. And then the other benefit is obviously because it's not linked up to the till system deeply like that it has allowed us to get into so many businesses very easily because we don't need them to be installing something and like loading inventory and like configuring how the coupons and discounts work with the till we don't need to touch their till system just like with you know you can order a pile of paper loyalty cards no matter what kind of you know setup you've got and we've done the same now obviously there's some limits with that in terms of then what we have haven't been able to do and those are things we're looking at in the future but we really do want to keep it a system where it's easy for any businesses to get on board the onboarding is really easy it's really quick works out of the box there isn't a lot of setup configuration time and the value i think to the business not just to the customer because we've had a very customer-centric conversation so far yeah so it's all connected up to our we have a web portal that the businesses can access so the the kind of clever part is that the, the tag itself is very simple it's very cheap to produce and to roll out to these businesses but it's the it's your app itself that's doing the work and you know sending kind of information that you've tagged in that business to our server, which then can relay that information back to the business so they can see all the graphs and redemption trends and like information about their customer base and manage their account from there. As I said, yeah, they don't need to be counting up physical cards, you know, and trying to track how many are actually coming back, how much it's costing them, etc. Another area of the app, I think, that you're probably leaders in, and that is location-based services. Uh, People have been talking about location-based marketing and sales opportunities for years and years and years. And I think in your case, you're making good use of location-based. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got – originally, that was not something that we had. So that was a new – like, as we came along, that was an addition we had to be able to – firstly, for the users – and our explore section to be able to see places nearby and kind of promoting this ability like to discover new places and especially now at the time where everyone's hoping to support local businesses it definitely helps to have a section like this where you can kind of see what's around you you know that you might might not instantly pop up on like a normal map or something so it's good for us in that regard and then um as for the stores perspective yeah it will definitely help further down the line as regards to uh, wood marketing and stuff so they can generate and target in their areas as well. So it's a lot more personal, I suppose. I'll, I'll throw a wildcard question out to you. I'm just wondering, is there potential for the app to be used for disability use um, on the smartphone? So if somebody's using the smartphone purely with um, uh, voice response or voiceover, um, is that something you either have or does that come with the way you build the app? Um, so currently, we, we wouldn't really have that in place. But yeah, definitely down the line, it is something 
that I would be looking to add. It has something that I've worked on. So before I was at Squid, I was working for Trinity College. So obviously they would have accessibility rules in place. So it is definitely something I've had to work with before. And yeah, it would be nice in the future if we can add that usability to Squid as well. Yeah, now that our user base is growing, it'll be more important um, in our design decisions that we make as well. Um, it's it's been more challenging for us too, not having um, kind of any user experience experience on the team. Um, but we are uh, actually hiring a designer, so I think that's going to really allow us to put more time into the user experience part of the process when adding like new features and the kind of core functionality of like adding a stamp, you know, adding the voiceover function for something like that could, you know, be really like it's a small kind of thing we could add that that would be really useful for people. Um, And then it's working on how things like, you know, the map and the wallet um, could be more accessible, even if it's just the kind of viewing the overall stamp count, being able to see that more clearly or, you know, there's small little things we could do that could definitely like open up the app um, to more users. Yeah, that's really good. Good to hear you thinking of, of that and and thinking of have a bit, having it built in. Did you have any thoughts on on where design, where the 100% of design is spread? I, I probably see it differently than Kaylin because Kaylin's going to see more the architecture side being like bigger. Um but then that's, you know, I mean, all of the areas are kind of constantly evolving. I'd say at the beginning, it probably would have been more focused towards the uh, user side and just and the interaction with the customers mm. and how things looked. But as we have grown and as we wish to scale, the uh, design of like system architecture has yeah. definitely started to ramp up a lot more in recent times than it would have been, I suppose, at the beginning. So yeah, no, I'd say it's it, it's probably slowly moving more into that direction than where it would have been very much front end. I think there would have been a very big focus on actual user interface at the start. And now, yeah, the, the architecture and the UX is kind of more important as you kind of have a bigger user base and you're trying to add more features. So like sometimes someone will suggest a feature and in theory, like technically that's not difficult to add. But then I'm like, actually, the challenging part there is the UX. It's like, how does that fit into like how someone currently engages with our app in a way that makes sense and doesn't make it more confusing? So I think at the start, you could focus so much on interface, how it's going to look. You know, we're going to have nav bar with like these three tabs, going to be this, this and this, going to look like this, going to be this color. And then, you know, add the technology to kind of like make that work. And if you only add a small amount of users and things going on, it was going to be quick to load. It was good, you know, you weren't worried about it scaling. But yeah, I'd agree with Kaylin there that it's it's completely shifted now that the architecture side is so much more important and UX more important than UI. Now that we kind of have like an idea how everything looks and feels. I, I like that. I like the idea that at a different stage in the life cycle, this is where the emphasis is. And as the product matures, we shift to a different emphasis. It's interesting to kind of think back to all the different phases that we've been through, you know, to reflect on that even because it's so go, go, go all the time. And, you know, you're kind of so focused on what's the next thing we're doing that it's nice to kind of like think back to, yeah, where we've come from and, and how things have changed. We'll wrap up there, I think. Thank you, Katie and Kaylin, for chatting with us today. We often think of design as a series of choices made in a workshop. It is, but you've also highlighted how it's also a dialogue and that we as designers need to listen and respond to 
uh, what we encounter in the field, our users, and how things actually work. So thank you very much for uh, talking with us today.